Hey folks, Travis here to remind you that we have a Patreon now, patreon.com slash thisisfalse. We have a new patron this week, uh, Kate, who is probably our biggest fan. I don't want to start fights, but I think Kate's our biggest fan. So thank you, Kate, for donating, and you will get your swag at some point. No promises as to when, but we promise you will get it. Patreon.com slash thisisfalse. Uh, also follow us on social media at thisisfalsepod. Email us at thisisfalsepodcast at protonmail.com. We're up to 47 followers now on Twitter. Sorry, 45. Fuck. 45 followers on Twitter. That's a whole seven from last week. We're moving up in the world. I mean, it's it's like kind of sad when I have to say that number. So like, it'd be really cool if in a couple weeks I could say like 300 because that'd be still shitty, but also uh, way better than 45. This week we talked about racism at the University of Windsor. And uh, I think we're going to make it a two-part thing. We're going to talk about it next week as well. I know there's a lot of things in the in Windsor and other places that we can talk about news-wise, uh, such as the RCMP getting uh, they're cutting their force in half here in Windsor. I haven't really looked at the details of that yet, so I don't know why I'm talking about it, frankly. But um, that seems like a good thing. Less cops in the city. That's what you like to see. It's still too many, though. Still far too many. What am I rambling about? Okay, this is the episode. It's just me and Mo. Ev will be back next week, hopefully. Enjoy. Yeah, so hey, Ma, how's it going? Good, good. The snow fell today. So beautiful out for a second. I forgot I was in Windsor. It's so great. <laughs> you are in Windsor? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I never know where you are. <laughs> <laughs> I really shouldn't be... Well, I have to go back and forth for work, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I hate this bullshit weather. I, I told myself this year was the year that I was going to convince myself to enjoy winter because, uh, of all the years to do that, like of all the things in the world to complain about the weather really can't be one of them or the seasons can't be one of them, you know? So I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to like winter this year. I'm going to go for walks and stuff. It literally took me two hours of the first day of snow. <laughs> I was like, no, fuck this. I See, I love winter, but I have this theory that anybody, there's so many people who say like, oh, I love the snow and I love the gray weather. It's like uh, 99% of the people who tell me that, including myself, have some sort of early childhood trauma. So I have a feeling that most people <laughs> who say this, are uh, this is just like a weird trauma bonding with, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're, with they're, the winter. <laughs> there might be that. I mean... I don't. I don't have. I have a lot of early childhood trauma, and I don't have any of the winter love. So, maybe it's maybe it's not universal. But yeah, you're uh, even more black pilled than I am. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I used to like winter when I was a kid, but uh, I don't know. All the sports I like are played in the summer, and you're I don't not know. a hockey fan. No, I used to be. Interesting. I like. I haven't been for about 15 years now. Wow. Yeah, I got out of it. I got out of it because, like, I stopped. I, I mean, all athletes are shitheads, but like hockey players, I have a particular relationship with because I grew up in a small town in Ontario <laughs> and like the hockey players were the biggest fucking pricks <laughs> that were like, they were the biggest fucking assholes. Of course. So like, I just, I was like, why the fuck am I watching these people who I know are like exactly those people, exactly the people that tortured me as a kid. Why am I like, yeah, let's root for them. Fuck that. Um... Plus, there's some of the racism and shit that happens in hockey, which happens in all sports, but hockey has a particular problem with it. Um, it just kind of, a lot of things made yeah. me not care about it anymore. And, like, lack of time, because, like, I really ravenously follow baseball. 
and um, it takes up too much of my time as it is. I feel like if I had to follow other sports, it probably it probably wouldn't work. I, I like ba- I like basketball too though. So I don't know. That anyway, um, so we're gonna talk about. Oh, by the way, this is false. I am Travis Laver, and this is Mo Akbar. We don't have an Ev Irish this week. Uh, she's got more more issues with people. She's arguing about the the validity of Coke Zero again. <laughs> For she, me, it's um, Fago Fago or nothing. You know. Oh, what's your favorite Fago flavor? I was actually oh thinking God. about this yesterday. Um, I really, I really like Rock and Rye. Oh fuck! Uh, that's what I was just gonna say. I love that shit. That might be the so, best flavor of pop ever created. It really is, and all it is is just like cream soda and like uh, what's the other thing? Uh, it's uh, cola. Maybe? It's a cream cola. They call it. Yeah, it's cream of the soda and root beer mixed together or something, and it's yeah. Most people at that Detroit factory, I don't know where they come up with their ideas, but it's brilliant. Oh, it's, that's it's brilliant. I mean, like I happen to think that Red Pop is quite overrated. That's the one that everybody seems to yeah. like a lot. Their but new Rock flavor, and cotton candy. Did you try that yet? Is that the blue one? Yeah, it's the light blue one. It's oh, the very man, light. I haven't had uh, that one kind yet. Kind of pale blue. I haven't had that one yet. It's hmm. so good. I'm sure. I'm sure the sugar content is out of control, but. If you're it in is Windsor. on all of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's so good. This is this is the great thing about America is they they make good food that is bad for you, but it tastes good. <laughs> you know, is it is it? Uh, I guess that's why it's available here, right? It's probably not available anywhere else in Canada, very at least not widely, right? Not widely at all. Like yeah. if you're in Ottawa, there was like one convenience store that had it. If you're in like I found it in Waterloo one time, uh, really far out. It's just. It's so I don't even know how those places get it. That's what confuses me, really. I think they sense. just do importing, don't they? Because I know that like there's a convenience store where I grew up in Coburg that they they have like an importer from the U.S. It brings them like all the American mm-hmm. stuff, like vanilla Coke when that was because that's still sold yeah. year round down there. That yeah. makes a lot of sense because when I talk to somebody, I, because when I was at the University of Windsor, I really wanted. I was like, I was like a Fago shill, despite the fact that I <laughs> called them one time and they hung up on me. Uh, they redirected me to no one and I was, I was really mad about it, but, uh, I tried to get the university to switch and the guy explained to me like, listen, that's a cool idea. (laughs) Sorry. That's a cool idea, but they couldn't handle our, our distribution. They're too small to even manage to do what we need from them. Yeah. 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 They're pretty small. They're like basically just in Detroit, right? Well, they are a national, it's like not a national company, but it's like a mid- midwestern southern company i forget who they are what their name is but they're the same people who make the Lacroix. uh oh yeah okay. stuff yeah 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 damn they're really uh really nailing it on the products on the beverages <laughs> <laughs> uh okay so we have a we have an actual topic this week we're not just gonna ramble yeah yeah look at us being being having forethought but Serious uh podcast host it takes a lot of work don't forget uh subscribe to our patreon <laughs> at patreon.com this is false uh, patreon.com this is false yeah. support us support us uh help us do hard-hitting research and googling <laughs> topics for the show it's frantically uh, it's... looking up articles two hours before we record that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally not really... yeah no but if we had more patreon money maybe we could do more yeah that's true that's true yeah, I'll do a I do a plug at the beginning, or I will do a plug at the beginning because I gotta I gotta shout out somebody this week too. We're up to 40, 47 Twitter followers now, I think. Wow! Like, damn, we're like 
uh, pretty soon 45 we'll be playing, fuck 45 followers <laughs> like we'll be playing among us maybe not with jug Meath because maybe he's too out of our league but maybe with one of the other party leaders maybe the mar the 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 communist party maybe the communist party <laughs> marxist leninist listen uh, we ev and i were already scheming about how to uh how to make a this is false among us because ev and i started playing it this week it's and i know game. i know you play it i know you oh, play yeah. it yeah so we'll do that we maybe we'll have like a with our patron support, with our patrons, uh, we'll do we'll do an Among Us game. Ooh. Since there's so few of us, we could actually do it. <laughs> <laughs> Once we hit ten, though, then, then we're in trouble. <laughs> then we're then we're fucked. All right, so we're gonna talk about um, racism at the University of Windsor, which um, is a topic that really needs to be covered in general, and uh, we have some impetus for why we're covering this now, because yet another scandal has hit the University of Windsor regarding anti specifically anti-black racism but also anti-Indian racism um and and other sort of just disturbing shit. So I this is a story surprised. Wow. Um, racism at the University <laughs> of Windsor? <laughs> right? What? I've never heard what? of such a thing. I thought we were so woke down here. <laughs> um so this is from AM800 alleged racist messages exchanged at Delta Chi frat quote disturbing by Gord Bacon. I, this isn't, Gord doesn't make the headlines and he doesn't write the editorial rules, but I hate when people say, or when the, the media says alleged racism when it's just fucking racism. I know why they say it. I know it's to prevent from being sued, blah, 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 whatever. Call it what it is. Just yeah. fucking racism. I mean, at what point do you have enough <clears throat> evidence? Like, there's literally an entire, like, the Facebook group is, goes deep. Like, there's no. Yeah. There's no middle line there. Like I use alleged sometimes when I'm joking around about how terrible the University of Windsor is former president and all the terrible people I had to deal with <laughs> at Windsor are just because those people are litigious and also because that is just my opinion. But like there's no <laughs> sorry, there's no there's no level of nuance you can add to that conversation. Yeah. Yeah, so this is uh, this is the story just quickly from from 800. The University of Windsor is alleging members of an off-campus fraternity used extreme racist language on social media. President Robert Gordon says exchanges posted on Instagram and Twitter by members of Delta Chi were brought to his attention Wednesday night in an email. According to Gordon, quote, the messages shared in this note are disturbing, unacceptable, and entirely incongruent with the values of our school and the work we are doing to create a more inclusive and equitable community at the University of Windsor. The statement from Gordon goes on to say the university has launched an investigation. Gordon points out there is no official relationship between the university and the frat, but apologized for, quote, any pain the statements may have caused. The university has suspended any opportunity for the organization to participate in on-campus activities. Delta Chi is based in the United States, but has a frat house on Mill Street near Sandwich Street in Windsor. Gordon says U Windsor has reached out to the fraternity's head office in the United States, and Windsor Police Services has been notified. Should we say uh, then, had a house on Mill Street? Yeah, had a house on Mill Street. Because, yeah, since then, they've uh, Delta Chi has actually shut down the Windsor chapter of the fraternity. Down goes so. Delta Chi at Windsor. Oh, yep. what, a, what a shock there. <laughs> down goes I, the frat that don't... everybody complained about for fraternity. Sorry, that everybody yeah. complained about for the last 10 years. Yeah, isn't that the one that used to be on Indian Road? On the corner of Indian Road and uh, uh, what... Indian Road and Peter. I think so. Red and yellow, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That went to a, I went to a party there in an undergrad, and um, at that party, a woman was raped. 
Holy jeez. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, if I remember, if, if memory serves me, it was about 2004. Uh, but yeah, no, that was that was a thing. And then it, it the woman kind of came out and said it. And then, of course, they all denied it. The frat denied it. And I don't think anything ever came of it. But uh, that was a thing that happened. I wasn't party to it in any way. I didn't know it was happening. I was outside at a bonfire. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a whole thing. That was it was one of the most douche infested places I've ever been to. That's for sure. <laughs> But I mean, it's a frat, so, you know, low bar. Mm, wow. Okay. Yeah. Cause like, it is the interesting thing about Windsor for me is like, I had a huge blind spot for, well, because I'm legally blind, but also because I had, I just had a huge blind spot for all the social gatherings at, at Windsor because like, yeah, I, I ran for the student union. I got involved in a bunch of things, but beyond that, I didn't have like a social existence at Windsor other than through working for the student union because in addition to that, I, I worked with my parents at their photo studio. So I didn't go to parties. I didn't hang out with people too much other than when I was on campus and, and yeah, classes. Just hung out with stuff. the anarchists. Yeah. So like, yeah. And like <laughs> between that, y'all can remember, like when we were doing the newspaper before the student union stuff, like, yeah, we printed out my photos, my, my dad's photo studio and I would work. That's there. right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah was, that's right. It was a good time. So Lena like, studio, uh, right? On yeah, Landon? there you go. Yeah. 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 Shout so, out. <laughs> gotta get some Big photos show. done. Gotta yeah. get a passport photo. Head over to Lena Photos on Wyandotte Street Studio. West. Give us, give us a Google rating. <laughs> Do the things. <laughs> but I, I, you know, like even at the student union, again, like I was so focused on like the work side of it that I didn't party. And in fact, there was a movement that was so anti me and my work that it was literally called "Sorry for Partying." Because uh, they thought I was just anti-parties. And I was like, no, nah, I'm just busy. I, this is not my only uh, activity here at school. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so I always had a huge, huge issue just like not wreck. Like some of these guys I've met before and I would have never guessed. Although I will say after after I left, I think there was a bigger shift towards the alt-right and kind of like rampant open racism and like uh, the campus being more accepting of that. Like right after I left folks started creating that free speech association and like yeah. doing all those kinds of like that pickup of alt-right activity really hit Windsor hard uh, in a really deep way. But like <clears throat> the legacy of that has been ongoing for years. So again, like I, it, it's not surprising me that there was racism, but I guess like the, I don't know. I, I guess like the it's open just... the openness of it. This like, I mean, I know it was on a private Facebook group, but it's a sizable one. Like, there's lots of people in that group. Even the bravado right? I've seen before. I'm. I just like. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Like, and if I... people want to, if people want to see it, I mean, we're not going to say the messages or point people to them. You can find them. Um, they're out there to find. If it's something that you want to see, just take our word for it. Uh, they're brutal. They're fucking, they're like, Jesus. they're not just like subtly racist or quasi or like, you know, those kinds of things where it's like, well, you know, you could, you could maybe say that isn't racist because X, Y, Z, like, no, no, these are like some disgustingly, like just fucking the worst kind of, I can't even fucking say it. it's, it's awful. It's terrible. So I wouldn't recommend going and finding them, but if you haven't seen it and you're really curious you can find them. We're just not going to repeat them on here. Yeah, and do follow the folks who are exposing all this because they put in a lot of work. They're probably dealing with a lot of stuff trying to yeah. fix yeah. the school, and at, they've had at a you, huge impact. They're uh, they're at 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 you Windsor on Instagram. So, <laughs> like the word at 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 you Windsor. 
um, on Instagram. You can find them there. They're the ones that that uh, broke it open and exposed it. And it's funny because this this AM800 article sort of says that um, <clears throat> the university is alleging that and the university didn't allege that these members did this. It was these people who pointed it out to the university and demanded a response. And that response from the university was half-assed as all fuck. It was really bad. I mean, this is, yeah. again, par for the course for Windsor. Um, but, oh, my. And it's like, well, yeah. That I mean, like, normally they'll put out some statement, think it works, and then move on. And, yeah, then yeah. they'll uh, pretend to launch an investigation or something, which it's two for two on that. Uh, but Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they uh, promising promising to uh, launch an investigation is like the corporate world's way of saying, yeah, we're 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 totally gonna fucking look at that. Isn't yeah. like who are these investigators hired by? They're hired by the university. The university gives them instructions, usually the president yeah. or the president's office, to do damage control. Yeah, and so like you know the investigators in like will sometimes just do what the university tells them to do and find the findings they have to find because you can do that when you hire someone you can just say this is what i want you to figure out find me a justification yeah That's... yeah and 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 like you know th i think the the thing that bothers me about this statement and um you can find this statement as well on on that same at at you windsor um it it just it doesn't really like he sort of says i acknowledge and i take responsibility this is the president uh robert gordon but um you know he immediately then says i take responsibility but also, Greek letter organizations do not have an affiliation with the university. It's like, yeah, okay, they they don't, and it and it they don't. But also, the university, you know, I think does have the power to stop them from operating. Do they not? Yeah, they also they can ban the Queens has banned for fraternities and sororities for a very long time. I don't remember the exact reasons for why, but um... probably because of some other <laughs> some of the issues we're talking about. It's not like this is this is unique to uh, just this particular fraternity i mean come on fraternities are like this fucking old world they're literally like white supremacist organizations that is why they started and uh you know they there's no fucking place for them i don't know why they even exist at this point <laughs> um yeah so like yeah they have the power to but also the other part of this is that they totally are affiliated with the university of windsor like they're the windsor chapter or the university yeah. chapter they also used to be, and maybe they still are, ratified with the UWSA or the the umbrella organization. Uh, what's it called? Uh, the Inter Greek Council is ratified with the University of Windsor. So it's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, like, I mean, it's not like fraternities exist in the world outside of universities. You know, the students like, are also <laughs> there's no, there's students. no fraternity in Chatham, Ontario. Like fucking, <laughs> you know, they 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 only exist because they are they're connected to the university yeah true so it's like um the university could take a lot of steps they could the board of governors could ban them they could there could be other steps taken i mean i think yeah. they they thought they they probably knew that the frater like the international organization would ban them or something like that um so it was a nice little dodge but like yeah certainly you could have you could have done that from the beginning and then if they were de-ratified then they were de-ratified but you would have still stood up for your students yeah. Yeah. As usual, though, the university will not take a strong stance on this stuff. I think that they think they take a strong stance on things, but like they do so in that sort of liberal, not saying anything kind of way. This this sort of cop to identity politics that doesn't really mean anything and just says some words like accountability and acknowledgement of voices. And then that's it. 
Yeah, it's kind of the interesting thing about even the president is like he's from a very different school than the type of leadership that that Windsor is used to. Wildeman was from mm-hmm. Guelph, uh, and Guelph is a very authoritarian has a very authoritarian administrative history. Uh, Windsor, I don't, I actually don't know the history before Wildeman, but Wildeman was the most authoritarian that's ever existed. Yeah, um, I mean, from my perspective, like I knew the previous, uh, I forget his damn name, Ross Paul. Uh, he, um, he was much nicer and like, he wasn't great. (laughs) I don't think it's possible. It's one of those positions that it's not possible to be like a true ally to working people or to students because they're automatically set up in opposition to us. Yeah. And any Um, president, I mean, like, unless you can weave that balance, like just like the president of the United States, like you have to answer and do things that are bad because you wield power. I mean, like. And I was going to reference Laurier because the president, when I started working there after I left Windsor, uh, was Max Blau. And ir- like, ir- like forgetting anything else he's done, what one thing that really was really interesting about my time at Laurier was I think either my first or second year there, they had a campaign. They put up a John A. McDonald statue, and they had this whole thing about like, oh, it's like a learning exercise, and we're going to put up the, all of the the prime ministers after this statue was rejected by the city yeah uh and then they put it up in the quad and people were like why why did you put this up in the quad like what year was this this was either 2016 or 2015 (laughs) yeah so long long after the conversation had started about what a piece of shit john a mcdonald was oh no what what a truly awful even for his time white supremacist that he was like well after because i remember those conversations started to happen uh, in the mainstream like or before that, like 2014, 2015, the fir- or even earlier when the, the first Black Lives Matter movement in the U.S. I think that was kind of when, you know, we started looking at our leaders in Canada and going, hey, you know, remember that guy? <laughs> well, <laughs> and, and it's also of kind of, uh, this was definitely 2016. I just looked it up. But it's also kind of funny because the school was, is Laurier. So there's literally right. a statue of Wilfred Laurier in the same quad. So I, I guess like they were just like, oh, we got one statue. Might as well complete the set. Yeah, but there was maybe, some... <laughs> maybe maybe we should just avoid the uh, the uh, putting statues up of our old dead white leaders for a while, just to you know, because like chances are, even if we even if we don't know that they've done something fucked up, they probably did. Most people have. <laughs> I mean, maybe we should just stop building these kinds of statues to people. Like, yeah, except Louis Riel and except Louis Riel. Yeah, I mean, like like the statues are supposed to. Even if you think about it from a teaching from a teaching standpoint, it's like built a statue of, of somebody like that doesn't tell anybody anything. It doesn't share anything. It's not like an artistic vision, but the statue got removed. The, there was protests, people organized, there was submissions. There was like a community consultation. And like, I was so not used, but it got removed. Like the board of governors was like, yeah, we'll take it down. We're going to vote to remove it. I was unbelievably shocked because I came from Windsor where they just <laughs> shut down anything and they wouldn't listen to you yeah. and they would expel you and sue you and do all kinds yeah. of other things. I, uh, I remember there was a group on campus who back in around that time on 20, 2016, 2017, probably right after Trump got elected, uh, they were trying to get the, cause one of our residence halls down here is Sir John A. McDonald oh, yeah. hall. Um, and they tried to get that removed back then and they were quickly shut down. And uh, then that conversation has come up again recently and they haven't been able to quickly shut it down quite as well, although they are still 
basically shutting it down. They have they have not committed to doing anything. They just said basically they're going to look into it. But you know, um, I mean at this at the same re- time. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Why don't they call it Cody Hall again? They tore down Cody Hall. They've yeah, got they name. They've Hall. got signage. Yeah, just transfer it from old, <laughs> from the old Cody, Cody Hall. Hall whatever. <laughs> no, it won't be confusing at all. It'll make I mean, sense. but there's also no shortage of like. You know, people who've helped build this city who are less problem, who we know are less problematic, you know, that you could put up there. Um, like, not even just this city, but even this country. Like, you know, Viola Desmond comes to mind, for instance. Yeah. Um, the woman on the $10 bill. Um, you know, like, white, you know, even if you want a white guy, like. Right, yeah. I mean, there's so many people that you could go to besides just sort of defaulting to the almost lazy solution of being like, I don't know. Fuck it, John A. McDonald. He was the first one, guy. He was the first one, right? So fuck it. Just like it's just the laziest shit. It's like calling, you know, an American calling their high schools, George Washington High School, like or Lincoln High. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking garbage. Uh, like at least be more creative. There's different things you could name it. Yeah, you know, or like anyway. there are professors who are who have, who have passed away. There are like people who are actually part of the community, like. Yeah, um, Ronnie Annie comes to mind again. I don't know a lot mm-hmm. of his history, but a lot of people talk really highly of him. Who was using like an old dean of students or something like that. Yeah, or any of the countless union people, union workers. Oh my god, yeah, who've like helped build this city. I mean, we do have the CAW Center, which is nice, but that's because they donated a bunch of money to build that. Yeah, that's why they got their name on it. Um, Quite literally. But, yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, naming the naming of things is kind of. Like, you know, it's symbolic and, and obviously they should just be changed. It shouldn't even be a conversation. It should be like, oh, yeah, no, we definitely need to change that. But it doesn't really change anything substantially about the material reality of the world either. Um, it, like, it, I think there's a lot of sort of, you know, liberal sentiment that says, okay, fine, we'll change the name of these things and we'll tear down statues. But then that's it. That's all we're going to do and not the address any other. The is also just terrible. Like, they just changed the arts building's name to, like, Wildeman Center or something like that. Yeah. And, like... How is like that's not even a reflection of his time at the university. Like he was horrendous for like didn't arts enrollment drop significantly? Arts and social science enrollment, yes, like continuously over the ten or billion years that he was president. Like, yeah, did just get any? It's like call it anything else. Like why would you name it? Why do we keep on naming things after just like horrible people? I would rather just all these buildings have some non-person focused names as well but because like yeah i mean why not name them after the like three fires confederacy or something you, you know go. i mean maybe, maybe that's problematic in another way but you know at least you're not naming it after a person too because people are inherently problematic <laughs> like even the good ones you're probably going to find some dirt on them eventually they're mm-hmm. human beings don't have heroes heroes are bad true all your heroes are dead um <laughs> push so, me to the edge so we can we can maybe return to delta kai at some point if we want to, if, it, if uh, we think of something else to say. But there was a couple other incidents at the university over the last few years, three other incidents that I actually kind of want to at least touch on at some point. And this is just over the last five years, six years. Um, this is not, not at all before that, which again, I'm sure you could go back in the university's history and find quite a bit of this stuff. But uh, just in the last five or six years, uh, there's three other incidents that, that we kind of want to talk about a little bit. And the first one involves you directly <laughs> so um we've we've alluded to this one on a few other episodes and we decided that we're going to talk about it in a bit more detail and i was around during this and i definitely remember talking to you quite a bit about this but i'm hazy on the details of what 
the hell happened. So I'm just going to give you the floor and you can say it however you want to say it. Yeah, and do do probe me with questions because like I made my peace with stuff a long, long time ago. Well, made my peace in that I secretly plot plot, plot revenge every day, <laughs> all the time, and that's all I think about. <laughs> but like, no, like I moved, I worked, I got other jobs. After you've done a, na- I got another national spotlight on a different equity issue. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> you sure did. You're good yeah. at that. No, yeah, it's just never in the in the way that gets me a really high paying job. But one day, <laughs> when do I get my time on uh, on uh, Steve Pakin to talk yeah. about hunger strikes? Like, come on, when well, do you I gotta get to do be a, indignant? You got to do a hunger strike first. That That's may be not, your first problem. Jordan Peterson didn't have to do a hunger strike. He just he's just a shitty person, and he got to show up. I'm not even <laughs> a shitty person. Just give me a, give me a break, Steve Pakin, if you're listening. Uh, to this, this is false podcast. Yeah, get get me on the. I agenda. hope so, Steve. Man, come on on, come on on the, uh, come on the pod. Yeah, but but anyway, so I've made my piece. So sometimes I don't really like. I know generally the details and things about things, and like some of the stuff that really wasn't in the in the sphere of things. But I often just don't bring it up or don't remember to bring it up. So do ask mm-hmm. me questions, but I'll be quick yeah. about it. Okay, so when I was in the student union, uh, one of the things was when I got started, I was introduced at, at the University of Windsor. I was introduced to folks like Travis and the other folks, the other unnamed uh, veterans of the student movement newspaper, <laughs> who yeah. I do hope one day we get some of them on and such. Yeah, no, I'd love to have a few of them on to talk about sort of the founding of that, but that's a whole other <laughs> yeah. thing. But yeah, we won't name drop them this time until they subscribe on Patreon, patreon.com. This is false. <laughs> uh, <laughs> get on there. But uh, it, I, I was exposed to so much that I was feeling at the University of Windsor that I didn't really know. Uh, part of it was that our student union, uh, in terms of equity, was like not diverse. There was a ton of incidents of like actual racism that had gone on within and around the union around like the pub that they used to run that has since closed uh which is another story that is kind of funny but maybe <laughs> yeah later. that one also falls in the last <laughs> recent past of racist shit at the university and the campus police beating the shit out of people remember that yeah that's the one i was talking to and then there was another one yeah. that wasn't about racism then that's what got it shut down but that's that's a whole other thing that yeah but uh yeah. so like when i got there I, there was like uh, a, a representation issue that like I was feeling, but didn't really see. Um, and what really engaged me was the union was trying to leave the national union of student unions, which is like called the Canadian Federation of students. Yeah. And to me, I was pretty indifferent about it at first. And uh, um, the people I talked to from Windsor were like, Oh, check out this like really corrupt organization and they take all your money. And being from Windsor, I was like, people take my money. I don't even take my money. <laughs> I was like, what money? And then I, I ended up, after hearing all these talking points, talked to this guy who was from that organization, and he kind of set me straight and like explained everything in detail and also challenged some of the things I was told and like laid it out for me. And I was like, holy crap, I got set up really badly. And I was still kind of like on the fence about things, but I decided to get involved mm-hmm. in the student union. Yeah, it should be noted too that the Canadian Federation of Students is actually like one of the more well-organized and well-funded left-wing organizations in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not perfect. They are nowhere close no. to perfect. <laughs> yeah, and like, um, I, hey, by the way, everybody, I fully admit that. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Uh, it, it's one of those things where, like, the reasons that the UWSA wanted CFS out the door were problematic as fuck. Yeah. Um, it had nothing to do with what was actually wrong with CFS. 
hundred percent. And it was yeah. like when I started attending like meetings of the UWSA, things that I heard, like I remember one specific line. I was at a meeting. It was right after they had like their little election thing, and like a couple people who were like black and brown. I be- like I believe got elected. And people were like, oh, like, wow, look at the UWSA getting a little ethnic. What, what? And it's like, there's like two brown people who got elected. And one of them was the international students rep. Like, what are you talking about? Um, but yeah, so I started getting involved. People saw me as a bit of a nu- nuisance and like, just like a, a weirdo who's too involved. But like, which the kid, fair. The kid, the kid who was wandering around wearing a hammer and sickle beanie was a nuisance. That was only on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. <laughs> you forget the all black hoodie that was, or all black oh, beanie yes. that was just really tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just wearing beanies because I wanted to get emo hair, which nobody even bothered to ask me about, by the way. You know, it, it, all this could have been changed if some UWSA person just said, hey, why do you wear beanies all the time? I would have been like, I'm trying to get emo hair. And then they would have been like, here's a straightener. And I would have gotten into an emo band and I would have never touched in politics. <laughs> that was our reality that could have been former UWSA people who were listening to this. All you had to do was ask. But <laughs> Oh, man. But uh, yeah, so they, they treated me with a lot of suspicion, but were really nice to my face. And I was like, oh, like, I see through this. There were some who I really liked who it will like were involved in the controversy later, who I still have a lot of good feelings for uh because like you know i I understand how politics works and once you pick a political side there's alienation involved and i get that anyway i ran uh for a position uh eventually i became an executive uh for two years uh and like i think one of the things that we really focused on was just getting more diverse representation uh in terms of both like equity and in terms of views like one of the things that people didn't realize is that like getting more people involved often screwed me over. Cause like people uh, didn't always, before I got involved, the UWC was sort of like a little team. And mm. so what I did was I introduced more people and some of them were supportive of my ideas. Others weren't. Some of the people I helped in like getting involved in stuff literally were some of the people who treated me like garbage when I was an executive. Um, But that being said, one of the things that came up was the idea of doing a campaign on boycott, divestments, and sanctions, which is a campaign uh, following the South African apartheid uh, apartheid campaign to end uh, uh, literal uh, or segregation and and racism and apartheid in South Africa. Uh, It was it's a campaign modeled on that, but in terms of for Palestinian human rights uh, Mm -hmm. against like like Israeli apartheid. Yeah. Um, which I still hesitate to say sometimes just because of the trauma involved in this whole situation and how we were targeted and stuff. But so we did this referendum. Uh, the referendum passed. So, like, students, it wasn't a council vote. It wasn't like the secret executives of the student union do it. Like, the folks who wanted to do the campaign wanted to have students vote on it. And I think that was a really important principle. Uh, but in hindsight, maybe it wasn't the best uh, political strategy at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but it was coming from a place of like, oh, we want democracy. We want people to vote and stuff yeah. and like and vote and stuff like that. Um, but it passed and it created a lot of controversy for a number of reasons. Uh, one of them was that obviously the like Israeli apartheid and like what's happening with Palestinians and Palestinian human rights is frankly, unfortunately, too controversial or was especially controversial around them. 
Uh, oh, it so still is. It still is. <laughs> it still, definitely still is. There's websites it, dedicated yeah. to exposing like Palestinian activists or Palestinians just in general. And like as as a people who have been brutalized, there are there is anti-Semitism that exists among not activists who do like uh, like anti-apartheid work, but there is anti-Semitism that comes from uh, not just in terms of like uh, there are people who have anti-Semitic views regardless of their um, race or ethnicity or whatever, but right. uh, there's a perception created uh, that like. All, like all people who do work on Palestinian human rights are doing it for anti-Semitic purposes and yeah. things, which is and not the, the case. I mean, this this is like the, the sort of trope, right? And it ends up being a trope used against the left in general is that, mm-hmm. oh, well, if you support Palestinian rights, you're anti-Semite. I mean, it's the reason Jeremy Corbyn got turfed from the Labour Party, um, even though like the guy has spent his entire life fighting racism and anti-Semitism in the UK. Um, you know, and it's interesting too, because the BDS thing was not uncommon like university student unions voting on bds measures was not an uncommon thing right like it happened at several other universities yeah i should say that some of them they, they all did different ways and this is across um across it's so common outside of what we of like the quote-unquote like west right like but in like in other places this is not even a question you don't even have to do these votes because everybody recognizes like palestinian human rights the point of these votes is to draw attention and to get popular support so but unions have passed bds votes qp being one of them yeah. uh student unions in in the u.s in your in the uk and also i, I believe like eight to ten in canada prior mm-hmm. to us passed yeah i think i think capacity. the i think the university of toronto was the biggest one at the time yeah I remember that being campuses. something yeah i remember that being so when, when it sort of came out as being oh it's a big controversial thing it's like well the university the largest student unit in the country did it so like you <laughs> know it can't be yeah, Carleton, like in Ottawa. I mean, and I mean the other thing too is that like the, one of the big reasons that it's controversial is because of the enormous power of the pro-Israeli lobby, <laughs> you know, in in Canada and the U.S., including where at this point when when the university when they when the student union voted to to do this, weren't there like investors and donors from the university that? but threatened to pull out their money well it's interesting because like i'm sure there were more uh, privately but one of the more famous ones is this guy named rc spencer from spencer and associates or some garbage like that that's some engineering firm and he was like oh i'm not gonna let people do co-ops at my terrible engineering firm uh, located on university avenue if anybody wants to go check them out uh and just say hi you know um but he did an interview with the news and he was like you know when i grew up in windsor i had black friends i had asian friends i had jewish friends and that's why i believe in like he he literally yeah. he was it was very clear that he he came out for a very specific reason on this um mm. and the university's response to that was horrible instead of being like there's this racist guy who's not who's who's saying this stuff they were like oh we got to protect our engineering students yeah and like he got and protect like, and protect their financial interests right because a lot of other companies uh you know probably could have pulled their money from the university had they not stepped in and i'm sure they panicked which is bizarre because nobody was going to pull their funding like if you look at all the other schools that have passed this they didn't lose uh, any sort of substantial amount of money on doing this but <laughs> this will get interesting later I'll, I'll bring something up later but there was very clearly like uh an issue like the issue that university of windsor had had at that time might still have but some developments tell me that maybe that's 
slowly, slowly, slowly changing. But the university had a distinct of control. Like the the old president Wildeman uh, ran things with an iron fisted grip and mm-hmm. like literally changed the face of the university and de democratized yep. it to hurt the union significantly. Tried oh, to God. destroy every independent. He did voice and did do a good job of destroying many independent voices yeah he uh, pushed every single union on campus to consecutive strike mandate votes even the ones which, that don't go which on strike there's like there's like six different unions on campus every single one of them was pushed to multiple strike mandate votes that is unprecedented like that is not a thing that happens <laughs> And there's like internal stories of like professors disagreeing with him, deans disagreeing with him, and him just yeah. like targeting them, trying and to targeting sure students, get, targeting students. He targeted yeah. everybody who got in his way because that's kind of who he was as a person. Yeah. I, I mean, he literally targeted student activists such as myself. So yeah. you know, like he didn't make any. Uh, he didn't even try to hide it. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Anyway, um, so the other the other thing that really like this could have been a sleepy referendum vote. Um, a thing that really pushed it over the edge, though, was that there was this graffiti that happened uh, at the student the, the student union in one of the offices. Uh, mm-hmm. Someone sprayed, uh, I think it was Zionist on uh, a flag of one of the the executives. Yeah, uh, something like that. Yeah, it was a support our troops flag that was hanging in, in one of the executives office. Yeah. And uh, they spray they spray painted a star of David and the word Zionist on it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a whole thing, and I think that's what really elevated the profile of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because that happened, I think, during the voting, like on the second or last day of voting, like someone did that, uh, mm-hmm. and that really, obviously, like people felt uh, really messed up by the like by the the vandalism. Yeah. So and, the, and that sort of you know implicit threat of vi- of violence there, right? Like, I mean, breaking into someone's office and doing that is not, you know, it's not good practice, as we as we say. Yeah, and like there are, there are some theories about that, um, but like yeah, uh, some yeah. theories, some theory. Well, it, here's kind of the thing, and this has always been the thing that has troubled me about that situation is when that first happened, uh, there was definitely some speculation like did did akbar do this is this him like there was a lot of speculation online that like some brown person did this like yeah. some palestinian activist did this or like something like that well and there was the palestinian solidarity group right the the group that was yeah. sort of yeah that was around advocating for palestinian rights on campus and they were immediately blamed yes and the referendum yeah. was blamed and like the whole thing was like oh like this is and also like this then tied into the idea of like we're bringing like politics onto a university campus like it's like oh as if they don't exist there already yeah and it also spoke to like a very interesting thing at windsor which is that windsor as a school is like a feeder school for like a lot of the counties and like uh there's a very interesting dynamic um i was even chatting with some some young folks out from bell river about this recently but like there's there's this interesting dynamic in the counties compared to the city because like the city has its own racism and then mm-hmm. the counties have their own racism. And then you have the University of Windsor campus, which is like feeding everybody from these different areas to that campus. And like that intersection is something that really messes with the campus dynamic. And then you include that like a ton of the staff are just terrible human beings. Not a ton of the staff, but a lot of the admin people are, are not great. Uh, so Yeah, like, you can a... go to the ones that are making the most money and you can start yeah, to yeah, figure start... out who the bad people are. <laughs> Put in some check marks, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Look yeah, at that sunshine list. This <laughs> is the thing that's always bothered me about that vandalism situation is like, so there was obviously police reports filed. People declared a hate crime as they should. It was investigated. No, nothing ever came of that investigation as far as I know. But uh, there's no way that like someone outside the student union or someone who didn't know the way the student union's offices work did that vandalism because that that if you know the CW student center, which a lot of you don't, but if you go to the floor where that office is, there's a camera right in front of the front door. So mm-hmm. what someone did is they came through the back door, which is locked, and then they were able to enter the office door, which is also locked, and were able to get in through the back door, which is left open because it was like converted into an office or something like that. Mm-hmm. So someone really had to know the office to be able to do that. And so like we never figured out who did it, but I I like there are cameras all over that area. No one was able to find it. And that that's one thing that really disappointed me because I have super faith in like the activists that worked on that campaign and I don't think any of them did it. Mm-hmm. And like I obviously didn't do it. That's <laughs> uh, not really my style. I remember when that when I, I heard from someone that oh it was Mo Akbar that did it. It was like no it fucking wasn't. There's literally no goddamn way that Mo Akbar would ever do that. <laughs> like I'm sorry, but there's no chance that that's what happened. <laughs> really, someone said that. That's funny. Oh man. Yeah, that was that was the thing. Like we'd we'd heard we got like a scoop at the student movement that it was you. That's hilarious. I forget who I forget who said it, but yeah. well, I mean that's the interesting thing. It's like. I got blackpilled through this experience because, and like that, that led into a movement by the university to investigate the the referendum. And this is why I referenced how terrible investigations are. They hired mm-hmm. a lawyer who definitely knew the president from before or had some sort of, there was some sort of connection. Uh, in my opinion, I can't mm-hmm. say that as a statement of fact, but my assumption is that they, they must've had some sort of relationship in the past. Uh, and so the investigator came in, a lot of people talked to him about a lot of different things. He ignored every brown person's voice uh he ignored every palestinian activist voice on that uh and he released a very biased report saying this is what happened uh one of the things that was interesting is he said that there weren't enough signatures on the petition to start the referendum because you have to collect like 500 signatures except he didn't include all the pages for the for the petition ah oh no (laughs) and i don't know if that was ever just an brought, oversight. I don't know if that was ever brought to his attention, but from my understanding, like people submitted one part of it and then like it was photocopied wrong or like they missed some pages. And then like, I don't know if he ever got the other ones or if they were ever sent to him or what, but yeah, they just ignored that. So people thought, oh, the referendum didn't happen properly. And it was, it's the fix is in. And then the other thing was he divulged student statuses of students yeah saying that two people who were on the executive weren't students, which you're allowed to be when you're a student executive at the at UWSA. Like mm-hmm. the whole idea is like you work for students, so you should be full-time working for students. And those who yeah. did take classes ended up not doing well. Oh, they failed classes. them. Yeah, they failed them. Yeah. There's all kinds of other issues. That's that's sort of a common thing that a lot, of, a lot of them will choose to do classes as sort of like a, see, look, I'm still doing student things, but like, I've had UWSA executives in classes that I've taught and GA'd and <laughs> they don't hand anything they, in because they don't, they don't, they never show up. They don't do anything. Cause they're not, that's not why they did it. Yeah. You know, like they, they, you know, they knew they were going to either fail or come very close to failing those classes. Yeah. And now they made an explicit rule that you have to take at least one class, which is good to, to put in there now, like good. Now there's a clear understanding of what the rules are. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, so this guy divulged student statuses, despite the fact that it was never, okayed by any of those students including myself 
yeah. um, alleging some sort again some sort of conspiracy. Oh, these right. There was a thing about you being like you shouldn't have even run for the VP position because you were part time or something. Yeah, Isn't no, that but the, the whole issue, something like that. But I was an executive, so you're you're there's there was you're allowed, rule, yeah, yeah, in the bylaws yeah. about like if you're an executive again, understanding the unique circumstances. Because if I wasn't in that role, I would be full time. Well, and also Maybe. like there's there's no there's no chance in hell you can do five courses in that job at the same time. Only people, well, this is the thing: <laughs> like, if you don't show up and you put in like two hours a day, and then you go to your classes, and then you don't care because people can do that too. Except some yeah. people. I know like some executives, again, like if this is not your situation past UWC executives listening to this, please call me out because I do know some executives were just really well organized and were able. I, I don't remember any of the, I don't want to shout anybody out without permission, but like there were definitely executives who did take classes, did really good, and then also did pretty good at their executive jobs too. Yeah. But that's very rare to be able to balance that. You really need a lot of like a, like conditions to be able to do that. Generally, if you're yeah. an executive, you're you're either failing your classes or you're not putting in the same amount of time that you would. I mean, you have healthy work-life balance is what I should say. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're not going to run yourself into a wall just for the sake of a low paying student union job. I mean, tell me that five <laughs> years ago, I'd tell you, yeah, well, maybe I would, maybe I would destroy my, my entire career and reputation, <laughs> but yeah. I didn't care about that stuff. And I still don't, right? Like I would, if yeah. I, if I was to do it again, I would probably do things differently. I'd probably be kinder and I, uh, maybe but i would have done things differently but i don't regret i don't really regret any of the things and i don't think any of the wrong decisions were made it wasn't a bad idea to try and um have a student vote on palestinian solidarity like that's not really a bad thing or something with right. bad intentions there's no conspiracy there um but oh yeah so this investigation happened and that really messed with everybody and kind of you know again it, it's it's that guy who did the investigation when i told him like, Hey, here's all the politics. Cause here's the other thing people, we, we went from four executives at the UWC and I'm getting into too much technicalities, but it's important for the context. Mm-hmm. We went from four executives to six with the idea that like six executives would do more work and be able to focus on more duties because like we had some VPs that had like two portfolios of, or areas of work, like university affairs and external affairs or like, um, like, uh, administration and campus life like they were very different portfolios Mm -hmm. so we had this idea of creating six to match like other student unions Mm -hmm. and the way the uwca's bylaws worked it would take a while to pass that so what we did is we passed a policy which are allowed to do like very much not it still took five meetings to do but it didn't take 10 meetings like uh, changing the bylaws yeah. And so those positions were associate VP positions. So they weren't VP positions. And then we updated the bylaws to make them full VP positions. And it, it still passed every step of the way. It just took till the summer. But the yeah. guy ignored the policy part and was like, these positions didn't exist before the summer. So they shouldn't have been run. And he did, like when a high profile lawyer writes a report and you're a student and you're just facing all this pressure and also you're burnt out after running this big referendum. Yeah you're not as effective as fighting that. And I think that was the, the other thing was we had no, we had no help. We had no advice. Well, that's, that's the thing. The university literally hired a, like, you know, a fucking high powered lawyer to attack its own students. But Wilderman like, is also it's a such... grown ass man. He was like 60 <sighs> when this happened. Like you're, you're more, you were triple my age at that time. How yeah. are you not any, he, he throughout this entire process, we probably said maybe five, we had five minutes worth of conversations 
yeah, the, the but white they, executives he was talking to all the time from right. various screenshots I've been sent over the years, which. Uh, yeah, I mean, from what I know of, of people who like who I know who were around at that time, like that they were all buddy buddy with him. They were like, yeah, you, you know, know, he gave out his phone number, but hanging uh, out at people. liberal party stuff and yeah, like you know yeah, doing oh, yeah. all that kind of shit. They were real tight. No, but he had no time for for the non liberal brown people. The liberal brown people he gave some time to, but the non liberal sure. brown people he just had no patience for it. Uh, a young farmer from Saskatchewan, I you know he just didn't have time for us. Yeah, but he could have talked to us at any point, been like, hey. Here's my concerns. If if the president of the university had come down and sit down with us and said anything, I mean, like, we disagreed with him and we would have fought him 100%. But if there was, like, a an implicit, like, hey, you need to, I mean, we probably still would have done it. <laughs> but, but, like, we could have had a conversation to try and figure out some, if he had concerns about things. But the reality was yeah. his concern was that this independent student union, they used to be very much under the control of the university, uh, that gave its pub to the university for its bookstore uh, and mm-hmm. a number of other things uh, always used to be very buddy, buddy with the admin was suddenly becoming radical and different was siding with the unions on things. That was a big deal when the 1393 yep. 93 strike happened. That was uh, the summer before slash in, into September. Mm-hmm. And the union normally is very pro admin, but almost endorsed the union for the first time in a long time since the faculty strike. And even then did they, I don't think they endorsed the faculty even then uh, i'm not i'm not entirely sure i mean i was pretty involved but i don't remember what the uw yeah. the uw because they were so irrelevant to the situation at that time yeah i mean we didn't even seek their endorsement i don't think but um but just to put some of this into context too like so the university launches this massive investigation and then they released a press release it got picked up in in local media and i think like national media too right yeah like basically saying that you and a few others but mainly you if i remember correctly um, was like the mastermind of this giant ring of corruption in the UWSA. I wish, I wish it was that deep. Uh, but like... what was what was the connection? This is this is like one of my questions. Like, well, so so what was the connection between this corruption of all the of these uh, these creative positions and like the sort of idea that maybe you you shouldn't have been the VP because of your student status? What did that have to do? It didn't have anything. The referendum and the BDS. Like, what did it have to do with anything? It was twofold. And I know this now after being given much more context than I had then. But it was twofold. One, they wanted to delegitimize BDS as much as possible. So in order to do that, they had to delegitimize the referendum. And delegitimize its most vocal supporters. Exactly. Or its its most uh, perceived vocal supporters. Because there were other people who were a lot. Oh, yeah. Like. That's that's actually the really ironic thing is that like the Palestinian Solidarity Group got singled out as like these are the only people. It's like fuck that. Like yes, they were they were like vocal about it. They were around, but like there was a huge movement on campus at that point for BDS. It wasn't just a few people, and it wasn't just you know, it wasn't just people of color either. It was a lot yeah. of white folks. Like it was a lot of people. It's a lot of Jewish folks as well. Which yeah. I mean, you only have to say to explain how ridiculous this whole anti-Semitic can't like i like part of this is i mean and here's something interesting about that investigator uh during my interview i know i have the recording somewhere if if i can find it uh of my interview because i didn't trust it and i was like i'm gonna record this and i also recorded interviews i did at that time to, so that i remembered all the points i made so that when they cut it down to 30 seconds i was like oh like i did a half an hour interview like what happened yeah but uh, he said during the interview when I was talking about, like, listen, like, people, there was one comment that was made in a meeting. It's like, look at all these people wearing the, the like, kufiyas, the Palestinian scarves yeah. or the solidarity yeah. scarves. They're, they're all just, like, biased and whatever. And I mentioned that to him, and he's like, uh, 
listen, like it's not about the scarves. It's that if you do BDS is anti-Semitic because if you do right of return, and I remember this to this day because it, it was burned in my memory uh, among many other things from that time. But he was like, if you allow the right of return, it will result in the destruction of Israel. And that was the first time I heard that. Ironically, I've never, I had never heard that before. And here's this brown man saying the right of return for Palestinians is equivalent to the destruction of Israel. And I spent years thinking about that. Not years, because immediately I looked it up. Oh, was, 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 like, the lo- was the lawyer non, like, not a white guy? No, he's this brown guy. He's this oh, brown shit. guy who's like a famed human rights lawyer, quote unquote, allegedly. <laughs> you know, like, uh, and I, yeah. I do think that was an optics thing. Like he would. Yeah, oh, for sure. Wildeman hired a brown dude so that he could be like, oh, look, he's a brown dude. He'll be fair to you. Like, <laughs> yeah. Jesus, Wildeman. But because yeah, uh, mo- money doesn't seem doesn't override oh, that shit. No, class isn't of the a time. thing ever. No, yeah. not at all. Uh, being buddy buddies changes nothing, allegedly. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> so I do want to say for the listeners, like if you're confronted with that, like it's obvious nonsense. But the reason it's nonsense is that what people assume when they say that is that like if all these Palestinians come back, they'll be the majority population in Israel. And their whole thing is like, then then oppression will happen to the non-Palestinians. Like, and it's just like, oh, well, it's it's like, it's going to be, the brown people are going to be the oppressors. And you're just, that's what's going to happen. And they're going to change everything. And they're going to destroy the country and destroy the institutions. As if like two groups of people couldn't just coexist if yeah. there's no f- form of <laughs> apartheid. <laughs> like, right, yeah. it's not like only Europeans in like obscure countries like Switzerland and Liechtenstein can do that, but not in the Middle East. You can't have, you can't have that. Um, yeah. Although maybe we can't, that's a whole other conversation, but like, just cause like the two state solution is solely losing viability and nobody wants it, but that is an unfortunate thing. Uh, yeah. But like this guy had a perspective when he was coming in for sure. And uh, the report he released was based on half the information presented uh, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Uh, and that just set things up because so it delegitimized BDS. It delegitimized a bunch of people on campus who were activists. And then the elections were later. And so yeah. it was kind of setting up so that the big elections would happen. And there was this plan by a bunch of different groups, the disaffected conservative and liberal student union politicians, the law students who were from other schools who had lost their student union elections and had a like an axe to grind who got involved. Mm-hmm. And then a bunch of disaffected people who had law who who had perceived that they lost not only to me in these elections and I had taken their rightful place, but that brown people had taken their rightful place in the student union. And yeah. that because there was up. a lot of like that at that point there was a big sort of turning point and it was a lot of non-white people getting elected to those positions correct yeah and the other thing was the year before a lot of people ran for the elections and a lot of people lost and every single one of those people were disaffected and every single one of those people showed up in the next elections to be like i'm not running but i'm gonna talk about this election and stuff which was right hilarious. so that was that you're referring then to the none of the above campaign right? yeah so all of this came together and from my understanding i'm pretty confident that the university of windsor administration was well aware that this was a game plan and that they had specifically told folks that they couldn't do anything unless this none of the above thing happened mm-hmm. uh, which would then give them justification to freeze the fees and do all that stuff yeah um, which also fits to their wider agenda anyway right yeah the goal which is to, which is to the... take power away from students in general to give them absolutely no say in any sort of university decision so it sort of not only fits the 
agenda of these individual people who felt like they were wrong, that not only fits the agenda of the sort of anti-BDS sentiment and the sort of, uh, you know, pro or Zionist, for lack of a better word, um, sentiment on a university, but also fits in with the the politically economic uh, goals of the university. So, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, follow the money, right? That's how you usually find out who's behind this shit. What they were planning was literally, I think, dissolving the student union. Like, that was the goal. Um, yeah. They were planning to... Uh, there was a number of different things planned that thankfully didn't happen uh, in part because after these, so this whole campaign was, there was this aggressive campaign uh, to, for everyone to vote none of the above. And part of that was also, they told people not to run and pulled candidates that were going to run in the election so that there would only be. Yeah. Uh, so, so all the Brown folks position. had to run unopposed. Yeah. And like, here's the thing about uh, <laughs> equity. Like we had a white person on our team. We had non, <laughs> non Brown folks, uh, mm-hmm. there was a lot of really, diver- again, people who had very diverse opinions, who, uh, who came from all different backgrounds. And what's interesting is like, after the fact, people said they were a team of Palestinians. They also labeled me as a Palestinian, which shout outs <laughs> to my roots. Uh, you know, uh, many, many generations ago, I would probably have been considered Palestinian, but at the moment I'm considered Pakistani <laughs> for all intents and purposes. So yeah, that, that was kind of funny. Uh, um, <laughs> Yeah, so there was well, because you hung out, you hung out with the Palestinians, and your last name's Akbar. So, what did you expect them to think? I mean, I mean come on, come you know, on, Mo. that really is my fault. I should have, <laughs> I should have, I should have changed my name to like Tom. I really like Tom Haverford. Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the story uh, in, in Parks and Rec that Tom Haverford's name is Tom Haverford because he, um, he was like being signal, signal, singled out. Uh, in North Carolina where he grew up, so he changed his name. I had no idea. I, I need to watch more yeah. Parks and Rec. I mainly stuck to the one episode with Patton Oswalt. That's definitely my yeah. favorite episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a good Maybe show. I'll change good my show. name to Mike. Mike <laughs> Akbar. Iron Mike Akbar. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so this whole campaign came out, and the idea was like they were going to just run this, this campaign uh, and pretend like it was this grassroots thing, and uh, and then uh, they were going to have as many vote for none of the above. And they thought we were these like powerful, evil people who like fixed and rigged everything. And like they thought, dude, they thought we somehow rigged the elections. They thought, oh, like they could they were so shocked that brown people were winning that they were like, these elections are rigged. And they were working <laughs> with former UWSA executives. They had a CRO involved, like a former cool. CRO. And, I, and again, like I was, I was sort of checked out because I was like deep into my PhD at that point, and I was like not involved in student politics as much as I once had been. But if I remember right, it was a lot of it was because it was sort of this populist thing, right? Is that like you folks were actually talking to students and trying to get them to vote, whereas a lot of the people who traditionally had been running the UWSA were only talking to their friends and people around them. And they would traditionally be the only fucking people who would bother voting. Yeah, and I, and, and you actually reached was, out to other students and I, and and made it. Then that's why you won. <laughs> and and that's what also screwed us the next year because we created this like system of like, hey, like you can be involved, you can have your say, and like a lot of people who even supported us were like, hey, like they they were lied to. They were told, uh, hey, like let's shut down these elections and then let's run another election and then we'll have more people running. It's like y'all were the ones that told people not to run in the first place yeah. and like literally had people 
withdraw and not submit and whatever, whatever, because you thought you were going to lose because you thought the fix was in. Well, Uh, I'm reading this McLean's article here that that I pulled up before we started, and and it doesn't mention any of that. It just says that all of you are running on a post. Well, this is the thing is all of that was (laughs) behind the scenes. And I I only found that out after the fact. We found out like there were so many because we we all thought it was just like we knew it wasn't, but we all thought like okay maybe there was some level of grassrootsness to this. We knew that these were just Trumpites and all the like literal Trumpites, you know, like not just like conservatives, Canadian conservatives who were also bad enough, but there were little like Trumpite types, yeah, who went on to be Trumpite types uh, involved. I do, yeah, in this. I do. Rem- I do remember that. Like they even like even that none of the above thing. It was a, a quote diverse coalition, right? Because it was a lot of campus liberals, but it was also a lot of campus conservatives, mm-hmm. and then that sort of alt right more sinister right wing white supremacist wing too that was like championing it as well yeah and so like frankly mm-hmm. they they operated we were bound by rules because we were candidates but they operated outside of the rules like set up their own polling station if you want to talk about vote rigging like <laughs> went around with laptops to get votes uh did all kinds of things that were yeah suspect um and and they won because the reality was we created a movement where students could get involved and People had had their say, and people were like, "Yeah, we don't want an unopposed election," which we didn't want either. Mm-hmm. I wanted competition. Yeah. I wanted to run against somebody and talk about stuff. That's like what I'm good at mm-hmm. uh, is like talking to people about issues and having conversations. But when you when you their whole campaign was targeted at us, but they externalized it into like a movement, and that was a really they did a from a political management standpoint, they did a very good job because yeah. of course they were more experienced than us. They had universities mm-hmm. backing, but even without the universities backing, like these are people who were older than us, who had more experience, who yeah. again, like had more resources than us, despite the fact that some of us were executives. The reality was just like, these are from a class perspective. These people had way more resource than us. Uh, we had family obligations. We were burnt out from the other referendum that just happened. Mm-hmm. And so we lost. And uh, well, was- and like the, even the, the populist sort of appeal of a none of the above campaign too, right? Like, I mean, imagine running that in Canada. Or in the U.S., where like you have a two-party system that, uh, you know, everybody seems to fucking hate voting. Imagine <laughs> you had an option of none of the above; you'd probably take it most of the time. So I mean, the advantage they also... like, I think the advantage in the University of Windsor setting is that like they created that that space of fear. It's like the brown people vandalize things, and they created all this division. <laughs> Look at all this division, literally. Like not yeah, even yeah. not even hyperbole. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's what they did. That's what that's literally what they did. Look at what the brown people did, and the brown yeah. people are here, and they're bringing their third world politics and their third world countries to <laughs> to our campus. It's like says the person from Maidstone. No offense to Maidstone, uh, <laughs> but like, like the, that whole county city divide really showed up there because yeah, everything suddenly became a division on racial or ethnic lines to an extent. I mean, there was other factors, but that was a big part of it. Like there was issues where the engineering society's funds were frozen for a day because like they spent just so much money on alcohol. And so people wanted to like figure out, like understanding like what actually is going on with them. Uh, Cause like they just spend a ton of money on out al- or they were, they did that year. They spent so much money on alcohol. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. So like that was a whole situation. Um but all that combined turned into like, okay, like let's vote none of the above. And then the election people wanted never ended up happening. There was an attempt to try and sign over the student union to the university. Uh, thankfully, there were steps taken to prevent that prior to anything of that happening. Because like when we talked to somebody like, hey, what should we do? People were like, hey, make sure that 
nobody can like just sign away your organization or anything like that. Yeah. And uh, the student union's it's, funds were frozen. It's remarkable to me too that like a lot of these people who were doing the none of the above thing, they you know allegedly cared so much about the UWSA, right? Because they have been involved with it for several years and often had been executives and and all of that. And then they you know they blatantly put the UWSA in a position where it might actually never exist. Which if you actually give a shit about like student issues in this country, the only fucking weapon against these universities and the province and the federal government is student unions. Yeah, they don't even have and that like, much power. Like, student like, unions exactly. have zero power. Like, exactly, but they could. Power. I mean, if you look what happens in Quebec, they actually do exercise their power. I mean, yeah. like, if you think about a student, an actually organized student union that, you know, took the power of their student body and actually wielded it in some kind of way, uh, it would be an incredibly powerful force for things like free tuition and eliminating student debt and these sorts of things and improving education. Uh, and so for these people to sort of act so wantonly to like put the university's only def or the student's only defense against all these powerful figures in jeopardy is like just incredibly fucking reckless on top of it being racist as all fuck. Well, it just shows the privilege of, 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 of like it shows the, the privilege and the dynamics, but it's also like, Folks cared about what the UWSA used to be, not what it was becoming. And the change, the change to the UWSA scared people. It, yeah. it scared a lot of people because it was like, who, what is this? Who are these people? Why, why do they care? Why, <laughs> why is there are these brown people culture? suddenly? Why are these brown people suddenly taking power? With, uh, well, we don't where like are these that. Brown people coming from? I didn't know there were so many brown people on campus. <laughs> but it was like we had international students. We had. Uh, Asian folks involved. Uh, we had folk like black folks who got involved, uh, and mm -hmm. and not because like it was like a, hey you should join and we're gonna do this whole thing. It was like we just outreached to the clubs and we're like hey like yeah. clubs that are diverse people that are diverse get involved. Like and yeah. people saw like okay like there are people there's diversity in this organization we have a chance and yeah like in that to wrap up like in that sense like after all of this like we could have just given up and said okay we're going to abandon the UWSA this toxic organization uh and just let it let it let it die and just let the university have it but we spent the next 6 to 8 months working volunteer uh while taking classes at, as we did before uh but mm -hmm. we did all of that and made sure that the UWSA survived we protected it from the university takeover we helped get students to show up at a, a special general meeting to vote on new bylaws and that prevented the university just because of weird corporate law or whatever prevented the university from taking it over any more than they had. They had to actually give the fees like election happened. I ran for board of governors, which was like a volunteer position. I was hoping to try and uh, fight for free tuition. And also like uh, I was trying to get financial information so I could really build the case against the university that they like lie about how little money they have. Yeah. Uh, which was a common tactic. It'd be like, Hey, like we have no money, so we have to raise tuition fees. And then, yeah. Uh, then they would be like, here's the surplus that we actually had. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, it's a, which is a very typical management corporate strategy, right? Like that's, it, it just, just because it's a public institution doesn't mean it's any less willing to do that kind of shit. Yeah, and like that year was drama too. I had every year I was in the UWC, I had a ton of drama because like brown people are not lockstep, <laughs> like any yeah. people. People have different views, and so there's conflict and there's disagreements and stuff. And yeah, but people didn't but I think see it us does, as that. 
They just saw us as a bunch of brown people. Yeah. And I think it does speak to the sort of culture that the University of Windsor has created, which is which is one that if you're not white, you are not welcome in you're certainly welcome to attend the university and give them your money, but you are not welcome to have a position of power or a say in what happens on the university campus. Yeah, take um, your class and go home. Don't be, and, you know, be there. We definitely uh we're running up against time constraints yeah. here, but um which which is fine because that that to me that like this is one of the most compelling things that's ever happened at the university and it doesn't really get talked about very much, um, but and I think that the the sort of um, what it reveals about university leadership and frankly about a lot of the student body and definitely the sort of campus leaders uh, is really important because you know it it feeds into why you have a, con- a controversy like the Delta Chi thing it's it's this is part of the culture of the university and what and that starts at the top absolutely (laughs) Uh, a lot of folks is put on individual professors with like right-wing views um but there's definitely more to be which i think is less of a problem uh, other than Mm -hmm. like the actual racist professors but like and racist yeah, staff like the, like the professor that uh, <laughs> recently said the n-word on a zoom meeting which one <laughs> yeah it, well exactly right i mean and and so for the university and so this the other thing that that we wanted to talk about um was that ryan flanagan who is the vp of student experience i believe right at the university mm-hmm. avp um, I should, we should yeah say. yeah he uh he resigned today like literally a couple hours before we started recording um, and it, there's no official reason given, but in, in, um, Robert Gordon's statement, he alludes to, uh, it, you know, a lot of like, we want people to feel safe on campus and all this stuff. So that reading between the lines that he was let go because of all these controversies, um, including the Delta Chi thing, but also, uh, Jordan Afalabi, who is a student who was involved in an altercation with another student, I believe back in 2018 and, uh, and then was completely, uh treated like absolute shit in dealing with the university from that point forward and the while the white student who was involved in the altercation uh you know got off scot-free um and he's now i believe and we we might be talking to jordan i don't really know um we're gonna we're trying to anyway um i believe he's suing the university um for his treatment by ryan flanagan and robert gordon and others good Um, i hope he wins yeah, they they fucked with the wrong guy because he's like he's going to, he's going to law school. He wants to be a lawyer, and he kind of he knows his shit. Um, but uh, so so Ryan Flanagan stepped down today, probably, oh, definitely as a result of all these different scandals that he's been at the nexus of. But he's probably just going to be the fall guy for again the culture that exists. That you know, I doubt anyone higher than him is going to take the fall for anything. No, um, there's a lot that could. Oh, absolutely. Um, and and there's another story that maybe I'll we'll tie in if we if maybe we'll, next week we'll just talk about the Jordan Afalabi thing. Whether we can get Jordan on the podcast or someone else who knows the situation or not, maybe we'll we'll try to talk about it. But I also have a story about um, when I was a professor, one of one of the semesters that I that I was teaching at the university, um, where a white supremacist was in my class and how Mr. Flanagan and others dealt with that situation. Um, spoiler they were shit at it <laughs> spoiler alert they didn't do a good job um but yeah so we can uh we can talk about that next week i guess because we sort of make this like a multi-part thing because i think like it's really important to talk about this stuff in con in the context of the university of windsor because i do believe it is worse than most of the universities but all universities 
have this problem to some degree or another. Absolutely. It's, it's academia is, is set up this way. This isn't, uh, this shouldn't come shocking to folks. And, uh, but one thing I will say is I think, I think Jordan should get a lot of credit and, and the folks that worked with him on his campaign for mm-hmm. putting up the biggest, strongest fight I've seen against the university in a long time. Yeah. Uh, and, and like, they don't take any shit either. Like it's very straight language that they, they're just, they're not even like, there's like this university is fucking racist. Yeah, and it's like <laughs> this, and then there's folks who, uh, who's who have all like other folks who've been who started the, a separate. There's been multiple. There's multiple campaigns going on right now by students, right? Uh, who against against the university uh, around specifically anti-black racism, um, but that like it's it really sucks that black activists are taking the heat for all the rest of us who like weren't able or couldn't or didn't stand up to this stuff in the past, but there's a lot of lessons for future students, thankfully. And I think that's something that really needs to, those folks really need, deserve the support uh, uh, and gratitude of like, we should name some buildings after Jordan and those folks who, who have been doing this campaign or just like something like that. But it's like, yeah. uh, like there's a lot of folks who just aren't taking it anymore because yeah. they aren't taking it anymore. And, and that's not giving the university, the university is not used to this. They're used to people being like, okay, we'll play, we'll work with you. We'll do stuff. And it's, it's a, what I meant to say is that it's a lesson for future university Windsor students record everything. Don't oh, yeah. sign things. Have lawyers yeah. if you can, if you can't find a community legal supporter or someone, but at the very least record everything. Don't sign anything that the university gives mm-hmm. you. Uh, you know, some campaigns will be successful, uh, others won't, and that's unfortunate. But at the very least, protect yourself from this university and yeah. any university, frankly. Well, that's the thing. Like Jordan recorded everything, and that's what's that's. I mean, it's you listen to those recordings, which I have, and it's just like holy fucking shit. <laughs> you know, like he has them. He has them. Like he's, you know, you can hear him in the recordings being like, you know, almost overly. Uh, you know, nice and, and, and whatever else, like, you know, doing what a lot of people of color have to do in those situations, which is, you know, not show frustration as it could be taken the wrong way. Um, and, you know, he's really doing his best to, in, a, in a really fucked up situation to not get overly angry and confrontational. And the bullshit he has met with at every turn is just completely fucked up. Um, if you want to hear those or see... The whole campaign that this that this group has been doing that I know Jordan I don't know if Jordan's actually connected with them or not but I know that they've like done a lot of work on the on Jordan's case uh, and that's ex- uh, at exposing you Windsor um, on Instagram and they also have a website called exposeyouwindsor.com they have all sorts of information up there every time there's any of these issues come up at, um, at the university they report on it they talk about it um, they're a really great resource for that. You still there? Yeah, no. I, I okay, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, no. They they do fantastic work, and uh, again, I'm super thankful that they campaigned and they fought, and I hope they win even more than they already have, and that they win their goals. Because the reality is, like, you, institutions don't have to be this way. They can be different. Like I, I mentioned, Laurier backtracking on one decision, but they did a ton of awful things in the past yeah. and continue to do awful things because they're well. There was the whole there was the whole thing with Lindsay Shepard. Right, which is a whole other podcast episode we could do, because um, that you know that's that's a really fucked up thing that happened too. Like, 
you know, and, and sort of the way that the media then fed into this narrative of free speech that was just, it was just like, God damn. I had progressive professors and progressive people coming to me saying that they agreed with Lindsay Shepard. And it was just like, holy shit. Yeah, I mean, that's like, where we're at. At this point, I honestly believe she might have been a plant who like came to Laurier for the sake of of causing some problems or something. Because <laughs> like just the way that whole situation. Oh, it, it was perfect. I mean, she's an alt-right hero now, you know? Yeah, and like she sued right. the university and was like, I'm never going to get a job. And then was promptly hired almost <laughs> immediately right after by a right-wing think tank. <laughs> yeah, we know this, that white supremacists do not have a hard time getting work. People on the left, on, on the other hand. Uh, <laughs> all my experience, you think you Windsor would uh, give me an interview one day, but maybe I, maybe that's because I don't apply to their positions because it's the university. You should apply to Ryan's job. Hey, that's an idea. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know about that. <laughs> Honestly, I don't even know. Like, it's so hard to even think of like someone in quote unquote student experience who they should hire. Maybe like mm -hmm. the folks who are running these campaigns do have an idea, but I don't. I don't know who would jump into that role and do a better job uh, at all. It's one of those things where like it's a university executive position and I kind of am of the opinion that they shouldn't exist, that yeah. the university should be run by workers and students. And I know that's like a very communist thing or whatever, but I believe the UWSA and students should be running that. They should be doing that. Yeah, university, like there, there should be no executive of a public institution like that. It should be run by workers and students. Yeah, the, the Board of Governors should be like one-third uh, students, one-third workers, and uh, one-third fa one faculty. That's how it yeah. should, and maybe like one, like the the remainder can be like admin or some something like that. Or like community, community, people. community people. Like actual community people, not just the rich lawyers and business owners, because no. that's really what most of the, quote, community <laughs> members are now. You have a retired, I don't know if he's still there, but an old Barrick Gold CEO was a U Windsor Board of Governors <laughs> member. And I remember when I was making this, the, when I was on the Board of Governors in my last year before I left to Laurier, I was uh, talking about tuition and I was like, hey, like freeze tuition fees, whatever, whatever. And I talked about students in food banks and like people struggling. And like there were articles that year about the situation. So like people were well aware. And I emailed them to all the board. <laughs> yeah. You were the meeting. And explained how they could do this and how they wouldn't lose money and whatever, whatever, but it during the meeting and whatever. But this guy was like, we got to raise tuition. There's an engineering building. And where do you think that came from? And we've got to build new buildings and we got to do stuff. And that engineering building. And like, yeah. it was so transparent how little he cared because the engineering building was literally paid for through government grants. Yeah, exactly. So As most university infrastructure is. And that's the thing. Like it's a public institution. It doesn't need to be run like a business. It can run at a loss. It's public. That's the whole point of being public. Yeah. Give me a discount <laughs> for going to the school. Like give me a yeah. cut down on my tuition and I'll pay it back in taxes when I get a job, which is what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, like I, I was down to do this like five years ago too. Like it just, yeah. you know, my throat. Imagine if they just like increase, and I know this is going to be a really controversial opinion, but uh, imagine if they just increased taxes and actually gave really adequate good services to people. Uh, do you know how much better? And also for the fiscal conservatives and the crowd, you would end up paying less. But most yeah. of those people are can very much afford <laughs> to do so. Yeah. But like, yeah, and like I'm gonna pay you don't even have to raise taxes on most people. You can raise taxes on like a hundred people. Yeah, it's it's kind <laughs> of know, like I, the person not making uh, millions of dollars uh, yet, uh, am saying like raise my taxes, please. Whereas people who are who are making obscene, obscene amount amounts of money are like, no, we can't afford to pay any more. Yeah. 
please, please don't take another dollar off my billions. I can't do it. Well, when, when we get the Chapo levels of Patreon supporters, uh, I will ask you again how you feel about paying taxes. How about I'll that? I'll maintain my stance. Uh, <laughs> every every ladder of, of wealth I have climbed so far from like very much not being able to afford things to adequately being able to pay my massive amounts of debt. Uh, I'm still yeah. down to pay those taxes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, this was good. Um, I'm glad that we got to tell that story finally. Uh, cause it's, I mean, I'm sure you could talk about it for another four or five hours and get into all kinds of stuff, but, yeah. uh, and it's hard I, cause I've never written and, and done it. So if I, I might've gotten a little disjointed there at times, but, uh, you know, it's okay. It's a whole thing, and it's a it's a lesson it's a lesson that needs to be put out there, not just for for my sake, but for the sake of like other activists who try and change things, to yeah. come in and try and be nice and try and work with things. Uh, like there are people who are nicer than me who are targeted in this exact same way, so mm-hmm. it's never going to be about. I used to blame myself a lot, but you can't really. It's not really about you at that point. It's what you represent to those people. Yeah, and that's you can why... play that. You can you can be as nice as you want to them. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I, I like, I I can vouch for that. I mean, like I tried to be nice for so fucking long, 100%. and got absolutely nowhere with anything. So now I'm just a dick. I'm still got nowhere, but at least I, at least I feel better about yeah. it. Now you're slowly <laughs> reaching that white pill. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, you get there. You know. So slowly, a new a new horizon <laughs> is opening. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll come back next week. Hopefully, we have we have an Eva Irish back. Um, I'm sure I'm sure we will by next week. I'm hoping so, and uh, and she can participate. And the, you know, I'm trying. I'm going to try and line up a guest. If not if not Jordan directly, I'm going to try to get someone from this Expose You Windsor who can adequately talk about that situation. I'd love to have them on for about a half an hour and and really explain uh, in in detail what what their campaign has been against and 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 what exactly they're trying to do. Failing that. We'll try to talk about it, and I'll bring up the story that I had um, with Ryan Flanagan as well. Ooh, yeah, we'll share Sound some good? Ryan Flanagan stories. All right. Ryan, come talk on this Yeah, really. All right. All right. Talk to you next week. So, okay, bye. right that was false um we'll see you next week again follow us on social media at this is false pod especially twitter especially twitter also patreon.com slash this is false please give us all your money all of it we want all of it and uh we'll be back next week to talk more university of windsor and their bullshit racism all right see you